If you've been with us over the past couple of weeks, we've just been trying to really take a look at the story of David and Goliath. And of course, you'll know and understand that we can only go into it to a certain level because, you know, of the nature of online church. We can't be here for hours and hours because then you'd miss your lunch. Well, suppose you could have your lunch and hear me talking, but that's not appealing. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we're, we're just kind of throwing out some bullet points to get your mind moving and hopefully to provoke you to study a little bit more for yourself as well. Uh, we, uh, we have really been looking at it from the aspect that, you know, most of the time when you think of David and Goliath, you would say that David, you know, looked like so small, Goliath looked so big, but the story is a story of perception. The real truth of the story that we've been looking at over the past couple of weeks is that it wasn't that David didn't stand a chance, it was that Goliath didn't stand a chance because David had dealt with bears behind the scenes and he had dealt with lions behind the scenes and furthermore, David was a skilled marksman. So uh, really, uh, Goliath did not stand a chance that day on that battlefield. It was really not an issue for David. The issue was the other things that David had to battle, which is, again, what this little um, message is about today, what winners are made of. I want to read something to you, and this is so interesting. This is 1 Samuel 17, uh, verses 28 to 30. Look at this. When Eliab, that's David's older brother, heard uh, David speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? He's not a happy chappy. I, and then it gets really serious. Look at this. I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. That's his big brother. And verse 29. Now what have I, now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? Verse 30, then he turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And then Saul sent for him. And of course, that's where uh, David was then given permission to go onto the battlefield. I find this interesting. I find this so interesting. Before David could face Goliath, he actually had to face some battles that were closer to home. And he had to learn in his life what battles to fight and what battles not to fight. And I think that's a key point in this whole story. If you're going to face your Goliath in your life, before you get there, before you get to the battlefield, you're going to have to work out. Now listen to me, you've got to get this. You've got to figure out what battles God has not called you to fight. Uh, I, I think this is classic enemy tactics. He tries to fool the people who should be allies into thinking that they are enemies. That's what the enemy often tries to do. Uh, I, I think, and I, this is going to sound, this, is a little, this will upset religious people, but I'm going to say it anyway. If I were the devil, Angie, mm -hmm. now I know that I'm saintly. <laughs> this has immediately got Angie's attention as soon as I said that, because she's youth, you know that. <laughs> if I were the devil, I would want to be smart. And I would want to fool God's people into believing that they were each other's enemies. And do you know what? 
That's exactly what the enemy of our soul tries to do. And I, today, am calling it out. It's exactly what he tries to do. He tries to fool Christians into thinking that we are each other's enemies. And then what happens is that a culture emerges where Christians decide to believe the worst of each other. Before we would even assume or think to believe the best of each other, very often God's people just jump to believe the worst. It always makes me sad when that happens, when God's people fall for the trick of the enemy. They just believe the worst of each other. They just assume the worst. They hear a little bit of gossip, and then they go along and believe the worst. It's almost like there's this desire to want to believe the worst. And the challenge is that that is classic enemy territory. It happened right back in the narrative of, of, of the Garden of Eden, Genesis. The devil came in, of course, in the form of the serpent. Has God said, questioning the word, trying to bring division. The enemy is divisive. Let's call it out loud and clear. Tries to fool God's people into thinking that we are each other's enemies, and we're not. We're allies. Now, I love what David did here, and, and, and I'm going to talk about this a little more in a moment, but I just want you to get this, because this is a really important point. Look, look at this. This is so interesting. Um, David's brother comes down, and it's like you can see his anger developing more and more and more. It's angry. Why'd you leave the sheep? In other words, that's, you know, that's income. Uh, and then he begins to question motives. This just, this just seems to like jump out of nowhere. Now, I don't know, and I'm trying to work this out. I don't think I figured it out yet. When, when David's older brother Eliab said, for example, there he says, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. I mean, that's strong stuff, isn't it? You think, well, where'd that come from? Did he actually mean that? Or part of me wonders whether he just said that in panic. You ever wonder, have you ever noticed that very often the harshest words that are ever spoken are spoken between people who love each other. You ever notice that? You ever notice that uh, you know people who you love are often the people who get the brunt of your harshest words? And I, I again, I you know speculating here, but I just wonder if that's something of what's going on here. I know how conceited you are. This is David, pure David, David who loves God with all his heart. You know, I mean, what an awful accusation to make to a, to a servant of God from his own brother. And that's exactly what the enemy does. He tries to get brothers accusing brothers. And the enemy is not the brothers. The enemy is Goliath. The enemy is the enemy of our soul, not, not our brothers, not our sisters. I know how conceited you are, his older brother said, and how wicked your heart is. You came on to each he challenged his motives. You only came down here just to watch the battle. You came down here for entertainment. You came down here to watch WWE, didn't you? By the way, is that still a thing? I just said that. I was, I was, calling, it, uh, I was calling it WWF until recently. And then I realized it's actually, that's the World Wide Fund for Nature. But in my day, it was the World Wrestling Federation with Hulk Hogan. Now it's the WWE. I don't even know. Anyway, I, I feel I've digressed. I feel like I've lost the anointing there just by going... Out. So, this for me is so important. And, and I, I just want to park there just for a moment and plant that thought into our minds. Make sure that you're not dancing to the devil's tune. A lot of us are, you know, think we're ready to face, face Goliath. And all we're doing is fighting each other. 
All we're doing is fighting the people who, sh who we shouldn't be fighting against. Why, why would brother fight against brother? It doesn't make any sense. Eliab, panic, unbelief, that probably says something about his contempt for David. You're little David, and I'm Eliab, you know, I'm the big guy, you're little guy. Everybody thought David was little guy. Everybody underestimated David. That's the point. Maybe that's where it came from. You're just, you're just little David. Oh, your, your destiny is some field back there looking after sheep. You shouldn't even be watching what's going on here. They had completely underestimated uh, David. Again, back to the first uh, teaching part we did in this. Better to be the underdog. David was an underdog. But he just had to face some people before uh, he faced Goliath. So the title of this little talk is What Winners Are Made Of. And so I want to give you some things that I believe we can learn from David, because we're obviously dealing with the story of David and Goliath. Some things that I think we could really learn. If you want to win in life, some things we need to learn. If you want to win in this weird season, some things you need to learn. Number one, winners, what are they made of? There's number one, a big word, but important, character. Mm -hmm. Character. Now, I want you to notice something really, really important, and I, and I think this makes a statement about David. Let's go back to these verses, and then I'll say something about character. I hope you're still with me, right? Uh, look at this. Uh, verse uh, 30. Somebody needs to apply 1 Samuel 17, verse 30. You want to fight, and I get it, I'm Irish. Listen, I love a good fight. It's in my bones, it's in my blood. I'm Irish. Boxing Day is my favorite day of the year. <laughs> Takes on a whole new meeting in Ireland. Um, but you got to learn when to walk away. And before David got to Goliath to face the giant, the first thing that David had to do was learn to walk away. Look at that verse 30. He turned away, didn't fight the battle. You want to know why David defeated Goliath? That's a revelation right there. He learned to turn away. In other words, he learned what battle not to fight. How do you know when a battle's worth fighting? How do you know when it's worth engaging in this or disengaging from this? How do you know? And here's the measure mark. The spoils. The spoils. Are they worth it? In other words, if you win, are the spoils worth it? Or are they not worth it? Well, if the spoils are just that you, make, you feel better about yourself, that's not a reason to win a battle. Just to make yourself feel better about yourself, that's no reason to fight a battle. Spoils, spoils. Think about the spoils. Are the spoils worth it? And David walked away from his brother because there's no spoils in fighting with my brother. No spoils in that. There's no reason to do that. And I think that God's people in this season, like never before, need to get a revelation of that. There's no spoils in fighting your brother, fighting your sister. No spoils in that. There's no reason to do that. Listen, we've got Goliath to face. We've got Goliaths to face. We've got bigger battles going on here than each other. And I, 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 this struck me just when I was looking at this, even early this morning, just the courage that it took for David. And it's a statement of his character, his character, that he did this. Really, really important. It's also a statement of courage as well. David had to have courage. Yep, it took courage for David to get onto the battlefield and face Goliath. That's so true. But do you know something? It took courage for David not to engage 
in this battle with his brother. If I had been David and somebody questioned my motives and somebody spoke to me like that, I think, you know, let, let's contemporize this. Let's say that this battle took place proverbially, pr proverbially on, let's say, the Facebook <laughs> or the Instagram, although Instagram is a more peaceful environment. <laughs> and do you know the great thing about Instagram is you can block en masse there, it's fantastic. <laughs> Whereas Facebook, Facebook, in a way I like Facebook because, you know, it's like, I like it when it's encouraging. I hate it when people get on Facebook, and I'm not, this is not getting on anybody, I'm not, you know, please don't, don't read something into this is not there. I'm just talking generally speaking. When people get on Facebook and they make points and they like lay bare their emotions, you think there's just something so, I don't know, inappropriate about that. Especially for Christians, especially for God's people. Because you want to be using that stuff to big people up. Uh, and especially if people who are not Christians are watching as well. You don't want to be writing a bunch of stuff that people who are not Christians are watching. It's a total turnoff from like faith and Christianity and so on. And, uh, but I suspect if I was David, I would have got on there, flip's sake. <laughs> My brother. <laughs> you know, question my motives. But you see, David, before he had to have the courage to face the giant called Goliath, the first thing he had to have the courage to do, and this is so huge, he had to have the courage to walk away. So there's a question for you today. What battle is God calling you to have the courage, now get this, the courage to walk away from? Yeah, but I'll look weak if I walk away. So what? So what? Well, you know, I'll, I'll look like I'm a loser. You know, what losers are made of? Well, losers are made of, like, walking away from battles. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Winners, winners choose the battles that they fight. Mm -hmm. Losers just fight every battle that's going. Mm -hmm. And God has not called you to be a loser. Yeah. He's called you to be a winner. Sometimes in order to win, you've got to feel like it's losing to win. In other words, David was willing to lose that fight with his brother. Massive accusation. Massive accusation. David, your heart's wicked. You're only down here to watch a fight. You should be back there in the field taking care of the sheep. But David had the courage to lose that little battle in order to focus on the war. I think sometimes we're focusing on little battles instead of thinking about the war that's going on with the enemy of our souls. Have the courage to walk away. And if I, if I say nothing else and I stay here on this point of courage and character, I think I've said enough. Have, the cur have courage. Have courage. I remember, I'll tell you a little story. And Junction Church people have probably heard me tell this story before, so you can probably repeat it. But um, it was a really, um, I think, significant moment for me. Started out in ministry and loved God with all my heart, just pure, passionate, undiplomatic, uh, probably unconventional, never quite fitted in. I had that thing, I've had that all the way through my life. I've had that vibe in my life where I've never quite felt like I fit in. I, I'm, not, I'm not a politician because I just say what I think. And that's a challenge when you're a politician because you, you, know, you just tell, you say what they tell you. Anyway, that's, you know, so... Uh, and, uh, but I love God with all my heart. I, I just love God. Anyway, older minister, an older minister one day said something to me, and he spoke in sarcastic tones, but he meant it. And he, the gist of what he said to me was, you're, you're, you, Roy Todd, you are never going to make it. 
You're never going to make it. You don't have what it takes. Look at you. Look at you. You're never going to make it. For a young guy, that was devastating. Devastating. It was, and probably there was an insecurity there already that it was like pouring salt in the wound of that insecurity. So what happened was when he said that, I thought about it, and then I thought, you know, the first reaction is you, you try the Christian thing, Angie, don't you? Which is, I can handle this. Mm, I can handle Praise God. <laughs> and then you begin to, you know, you pray weird prayers. Thank you, Lord, for the honor of bearing persecution for your name. Thank you. And then you think about it for a few more days, and then you think about uh, what you could have said, and what you should have said as your comeback, as your retorts. And then I thought about it for a few more days, and I thought, I should have backslid for five minutes and punched the daylights out of that fella. Because he, like, said something that was so blatantly out of order. But you know what happened, and this was the danger for me, then I, I, I fixated on those comments, and then my whole ministry became focused, on I'm going to prove that idiot wrong. I'm going to prove him wrong. So my whole ministry became focused on, I'm going to prove him wrong. And it wasn't a, a great way to minister. Out of insecurity, etc., etc. never a good way to do it. Anyway, a number of months later, I get invited to go to America to preach. I'd never been to America before. My host said, listen, you pay your way out here, and then when you get here, we'll take care of you. So I thought, fantastic. And then it was all coming together. A few days later, got a windfall through the post. I was a member of the AA, the Automobile Association. <laughs> no, yeah, no. <laughs> Not Alcoholics Anonymous, the Automobile Association. And uh, I got a little windfall, a couple of hundred quid. Thought, that's brilliant, because this was like 20, 25 years ago. I thought, that will pay for my airfare to go to America. This is amazing. But when I got that little windfall through the post, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and I knew it was the Holy Spirit. And the Holy, it was like the Holy Spirit said in my heart, do you remember that fellow who really offended you a few months back? And I said, I'm glad you noticed God. You, you can take them home whenever it is thy will. And it was like God said to me, I want you to give that person half of that windfall money that you just received, a test. I said, two things, Lord, let's, you know, come let us reason together, which is a whole load of old, you know. When the Lord says, come let us reason together, the small print says God wins every time, right? Uh, I said, two things, Lord, number one, I need this money. I need it to get to your marriage. Number two, even if I didn't, wouldn't want to give it to that Egypt. And then I realized what was happening. What was happening? The Holy Spirit was trying to deal with an issue in my heart. It was nothing to do with the other guy. That was an, that was an irrelevance. It wasn't my deal to deal with his issues. I had to deal with my heart. And by giving away half the money, the Lord was challenging me to give away bitterness and unforgiveness. I had to, I had to fight. The battle was not fighting him it was fighting the issues of my heart Poof, challenging stuff so i wrote the letter i love you in christ you know and all that you know blah, blah, blah. send him a, a check through the post never got a response but that's okay because it's more blessed to give than what it is to receive left me with just a hundred quid how am i going to get to america never get into debt that's a principle i've always tried to live by so i said to the lord right i'm going to have to cancel my trip to america can't do it uh because i've you know i've i've done this and anyway a couple of days later ends out there was a church uh, that have always supported me wrote to me we had a meeting the other day ends out the meeting the other day that they're referring to was the same day i sent this guy the letter right 
Uh, we had a meeting the other day. The Lord challenged us that we've got to, they, they just, we, the Lord put Roy Todd on our hearts. And the, we feel that God has said, we've got to support you for some reason. So this is, this is what it's all about. And then they put a, an envelope in the envelope because that's what Christ, Christians, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but Christians keep the envelope industry in business. The rest of the world is sending emails. Christians are still sending envelopes. Thank God for you. Anyway, uh, anyway, open the envelope. And ch check for a thousand quid. I put it in my pocket just in case God spoke to me again, you know, anything like that. But it was like, um, and it was like God did speak to me, and it was like God said, You see, you could have held on to what you had in your hand, or you can have what I have in mine. You could have held on to your bitterness and your hurt and your grievance and then your whole life would have become about proving that guy wrong. But that's no way to live. And that's not a battle that's really worth fighting. Winners are made of having the courage to know what battles not to fight. Can you hear a bit of heavenly wisdom here today? Would you, would you be up for receiving a little bit of wisdom from heaven into your own heart today? Just take a look at the battles you're currently fighting and say, is, the, is this really worth it? Is, and I challenge myself with this all the time, by the way. Is this really worth it? And sometimes you've got to have the courage to walk away. Here's another one, and I'm going to go through these quickly and then we're done. We'll have a chat about these things in a moment. Here's another one. Uh, conviction. David had to develop conviction. Winners are made of people who have hearts of conviction. See, David knew that God was calling him. Nobody else believed that. His brother couldn't even believe he, he was anywhere near the battlefield. What are you doing here? Are you here to watch the fight? Get back and look after those sheep. David was there to fight because David had this conviction in his heart that the call of God was on his life. So when he acted, he... And by the way, he had to learn to do this all the time behind the scenes. David learned not to act in convic inconvenience but he learned to act in conviction. That's the reason why David defeated a bear. Not convenience, it was conviction. These sheep are worth it. I'll protect them with my life if necessary. That's good training ground for ministry right there. And uh, these sheep, there's a bear. I will, I will fight the bear to protect my sheep. And I'm gonna learn some skills. You've learned to be a marksman, hence the sling. This was conviction, I believe in this. I believe in this. And I think that God's wanting to develop some conviction. Do you know what we don't need in the Christian church today? We don't need a bunch of theorists who've got all the theology right in their heads. Uh, it always makes me laugh again, you know, when Christians debate with each other on social media. I heard, I heard a debate recently about grace, and it was the most graceless debate I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> like, what's that mean? What's, the, what's that all about? You can't talk about the grace of God in a graceless way. This is, more than, this is more than intellectual uh, stimulation and battles and me feeling better about myself because I know more about the Bible than you. Listen, there are some people who only know a few verses of the Bible, but they've got revelation of real grace in their hearts. That's what I love about the Beacon Church. Some people in there who are brand new to faith, you know, in the last few years, but they've got a revelation of the grace of God in their lives, and I love it. It's like, it's like a tonic to my soul to meet with them. I love it. I love it. Because they've got grace. They get it. They get it. And every Christian needs to get it. Well, if you're going to win in life, and if you're going to win the battles that God's called you to fight, then you're going to have a conviction that's based on faith, a faith in who God is, and not give up when you're tempted to give up. 
uh, when we first pioneered the Junction Church, we just made the decision, no matter what, we're not giving up. I mean, giving up was never an option. I, I can honestly say we never thought about giving up. Even in the early days of the Junction Church when we grew in the wrong direction in the first year, end of the year, we thought, right, well, let's just we'll start again. Never underestimate the power of starting again. That's what winners do. They just keep starting again. People say to me, uh, when was the Junction Church planted? Well, let, me, let me tell you the story of the Junction Church. Planted in 2012, and that was a desperate year. Oh, Lord, help us. So we started again in 2013, had a relaunch, and that wasn't much better, to be honest with you. Although Fraser Botham came in that year, so that was a good year. And then 2014, we thought, let's have another relaunch, and then Jonah Dykes came in that year. And then... Um, <laughs> no, 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 you were a blessing to us. You were a blessing to us. And Amy Chandler came in, and, you know, different people came in, you know. 2015, yeah, that was a tough year, so we started again. 2016, that was a really tough year. You think Brexit was tough? Flip sick. Junction Church, that was a really tough year. We got chucked out of our, uh, our Sunday venue. Do you remember that? Got chucked out? Well, they wrote to us and said we can't meet anymore. I call that chucked out. <laughs> so we had to find uh, venues... Uh, so we moved from the cinema to the theater, and that was, a, that was a game changer for us. But then, that was a tough year, then we had the real... So we've, we've probably been relaunched, I would say, ten times over the years. So, so um, and we're just about to do another one, yeah. because of coronavirus. <laughs> so we'll be back again soon. So, the point is that winners just keep getting up and starting again. Just keep doing it. Just be... You, do you know what you need to do? You need to be so annoying to the devil that the devil thinks, there's just no chance with you, is there? Yeah, every time I knock you down, you get up again. Every time I try to fool you into fighting a battle that doesn't matter, you don't take the bait. Do you know something? You ought to be known in hell as a Christian who only fights the right battles, who is absolutely committed to facing Goliath. And ladies and gentlemen, that's what winners are made of. They have conviction in their hearts about the call of God. They have compassion. I mean, I wish I had more time to talk about this. David learned compassion. It's not about bravado. Fighting battles, not about bravado. David didn't have any armor. Goliath did. He had bling. David didn't have anything. David learned how to care for sheep behind the scenes. You know, behind the scenes. And I tell you something, for God's people, we need to learn to care for each other, have each other's backs. That's what, Peter's, uh, that's what Jesus said to Peter. Do you love me, Peter? Peter said, yeah. He said, feed my sheep. Three times he said that. Three times. You, you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Oh, feed my sheep. Stick with it. Stick with God's church. Stay planted in the house. If, if you can, if you, can you know, stay planted in the house and you can keep loving, that's, a, that's, that's love. That's real love. You stay around even when, you, when life is not good, when, you know, when you're having... If you're going to have your worst day, have it in the house of God. Yeah. Yeah. Get around a bunch of sheep who have a bit of faith going on and let them feed you for a little while and then you can feed them afterwards. Come on, well, let's really go for this. That's not such a good analogy, but hey, <laughs> I won't take that any further. Finally... What winners are made of? Again, I could say so much more on this. Confidence. Confidence. When David stood up that day to face Goliath, he did it. And you'll notice this with sheer confidence. Not arrogance. Uh, confidence. Well, if I had been on that field, I would have looked at Goliath and I would have been awestruck. Oh, the, the giant. 
But David went onto that field that day and the eyes of his heart were not fixated on this giant called Goliath. But his eyes were lifted higher than that and he saw the greatness of God. That's the God I serve. He gave me the strength to defeat, to defeat bears and lions and he's given me skills and I trust him and I believe his word. So that day... It, in a sense, it was an easy battle. The real battles that David had fought were behind the scenes. When he defeated those battles, when he'd won those battles, he could stand up with total confidence to face Goliath. And I want to encourage you today to think about this. I've talked for a long time. I hope this has meant something to you. I wanted to really get this into your heart today, get this into your spirit today. And I want you to stick with us because we're going to have a little chat, a brief chat about this for a few minutes. So don't go away. We're going to ch ch chat through some of the practicalities of this in a moment. But if the word of God has spoken to you today, if you feel challenged, if you feel blessed, put up your hands, put up your emojis. Uh, say, thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's really give God some praise in your heart now. And let's really believe that God's going to uh, meet with us in these next few moments. I'm going to pray and then we're going to have a little time of worship and then we're going to come back again, have a little chat around these themes. Father, thank you for everything everyone who's had an ear to hear today what your word is saying and as each of us face our own Goliath I pray that we'll have the courage to know what battles to fight and what battles not to fight behind the scenes help us to live our lives with precision and with grace and with kindness not with harshness and judgment and impetuousness Help us to live with absolute intentionality so that we are absolutely ready to face the Goliath when it presents itself to us. We give you praise. We give you worship. Thank you for everyone who's here to hear your word. As we enter into a worship time now, may your presence enter every home right now. May we feel your presence like never before and help us to become what you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen.